Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. It's a little bit of sadness I announced today. This is the final episode in 2 Peter. Just by way of a personal testimony, I have found Peter's two epistles, 1 and 2 Peter, to be absolute gold mines of scriptures, teaching on different aspects of biblical prophecy. I've really never spent as much in-depth time in First and Second Peter as I have for these broadcasts, and you know, it's been an absolute uh, honor to do that, a joy and great insights, and for practical application for the day in which we are living, uh, this just can't be beat. So uh, next time, we're going to head into Jude. I urge you, uh, during the episodes that we're in Jude, read it frequently so that you know what it says, and that way I can step in and help you understand what it means and how it applies. All right, let's get going for our final broadcast in Second Peter chapter 3, and today's episode is entitled Prophetic Gangrene, and we're going to start with Second Peter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of persons ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be kindled and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? But according to his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, I want to draw your attention in our last go here in 2 Peter 3 to two major prophetic events just in these few verses that I just read to you. First, first and um, 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord and in verse 12, it's mentioned the day of God. This is the second coming. This is obviously a huge, it's a mega prophetic event, okay? And then the second prophetic event is found in verse 13, that God is promising a new heavens and a new earth. Now, right along with these two huge biblical events, let's call them, there are two practical exhortations. And, you know, studying biblical prophecy, at least from my intent, isn't that we all just gain some type of abstract knowledge, but if we truly understand what the scriptures are saying about the seriousness of the matters we've been discussing, it will affect our lives in a very good way, and personally, I think it may be a missing ingredient in the way we do spiritual formation of young people. But in verse 11, it says, in light of all the things that are going to be dissolved and everything, what sort of persons ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And notice what was going on in Second Peter. They were denying the second coming and also promoting 
sexual license. Now, we have sexual license being promoted in the Catholic Church today, even by some screwball cardinals over in Europe. And yes, we want to oppose them directly, and there's other cardinals and bishops doing that and such, but also one of the ways to oppose that is having the truth about what is coming, and in light of what's coming, how should we live? That's number one, verse 11. And then in verse 13, right after it mentions this second great event, the new heavens and a new earth, it says, in which righteousness dwells. So these false prophets were basically advocating a life of sin, of unrighteousness, and Peter is saying, no, this is the world that's coming. This is the world that you want to be in. This is the world characterized by righteousness. So sober up and quit sinning. Okay. Now, these two big events, the day of the Lord, the second coming, and the new heavens and the new earth in Second Peter 3. Uh, recently, a friend sent me a YouTube interview um, of a man described as a leading Catholic apologist, and they asked him the key question for the book of Revelation. Uh, they asked him, is the book of Revelation about the future or is it about the past? In other words, is the book of Revelation describing something that was going to happen in St. John's day or shortly thereafter? And he says, well, the book of Revelation has bookends. In other words, at the very beginning, you read things in the book of Revelation like what must happen soon and the time draws near, and then you flip to the last chapter of the book of Revelation as well as the last chapter of the Bible, and it says this, Revelation 22:12, behold, I am coming soon. Revelation 22:20, surely I am coming soon. So, what he did is saying the hermeneutic, which is uh, hermeneutics is the science of interpretation. And in hermeneutics, you just don't play fast and loose and shuffle the cards any which way you want. It's you try to establish rules of interpretation to keep you honest so that your preconceived notions don't color your interpretation of scripture. And so uh, he said, yes, properly, these are bookends in the book of Revelation. So therefore, everything in between must be applied soon. Then he said, accept. Accept the end. Like in Revelation 19, it talks about the second coming of Christ. In Revelation 22, 21, it talks about new heavens and new earth. Same thing that 2 Peter 3 is talking about. So he says, accept that. Okay, he just established, A, a principle of interpreting the book of Revelation between bookends. But the second coming and the new heavens and the new earth is inside that final bookend, and he didn't give a single reason why we're changing his principle of interpretation or what verse in the book of Revelation or anywhere in the Bible that does he use to have this very consistent, the book of Revelation is only about stuff that happened in the first century, and then all of a sudden switch to the 21st century or whenever Christ returns. 
where do you find that in the Bible? Where did you learn that? By what principle do you have this consistent hermeneutic all the way through the book of Revelation and go, uh, accept? See, uh, that's just not a great way to interpret Scripture. Now, uh, do I believe that there's historical application to the book of Revelation? Absolutely. I do believe there's that historical, it's called the preterist view, uh, nature of the book of Revelation. But I also believe there's a future view. And so does the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So does all the church fathers, including St. Augustine, um, and all the creeds of the church. But you got to be careful that you don't jump into a hermeneutic because where are the breaks if you say everything in Revelation is historic? You then have a problem what you do with the second coming and the new heavens and the new earth. And you're saying, well, that's hypothetical. Really? First Timothy chapter 1, it says there's people who rejecting conscience, certain persons have made a shipwreck of their faith, and among them, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And we're going to talk about the Hymenaeus heresy, okay? And then you go to 2 Timothy. Hymenaeus is causing problems in the early Catholic Church. 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as an approved workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, okay? Avoid such godless chatter, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. St. Paul recognized, just like St. Peter, if you get it wrong about eschatology, it affects morals. And he says, it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Their talk will eat its way like gangrene. In other words, it will affect in a very negative, unhealthy, deadly way the Catholic faith. And among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth that by holding the resurrection is past already and result in upsetting the faith of some. The resurrection is past. Now, I want to tell you about the grandfather of extreme preterists. It's kind of the dark secret of some preterists. It's like, where do you put on the brakes? His name was John Stuart Russell. He wrote a book in 1878. It's a 501-page book, and I've read every page, uh, who basically said... All the New Testament prophetic scriptures are historical, including the second coming of Christ and the new heavens and the new earth. And he first published his book anonymously. Now, why would he do that? Because he was re realizing he was writing something contrary to every Christian creed and church father. <clears throat> he later put his name to it. Charles Spurgeon said, it's a good theory. Charles Spurgeon was a famous uh, evangelical uh, preacher. Uh, what's the good theory? That it has historical fulfillment. We're not denying that. But he said it was carried too far. And consistent or extreme preterists carry it too far. And you'll hear from them, oh, don't worry about the Antichrist. Don't worry about a great apostasy. Don't worry about geophysical cataclysms or persecutions. Just relax. 
Uh, there's nothing in the prophetic future to be concerned about. Just go about your 21st century rat race for money, social media likes, comfort, and pleasure. And, you know, really, don't worry too much about getting down to confession. No, that should, that's not the effect of proper prophetic teaching. And that's why we have an Advent every year to wake us up. And remember, I shared with you Dr. Peter Williamson, his commentary on Revelation, which I recommend. He says about this coming soon, there's going to be some misunderstandings inevitable with God who lives in eternity, trying to communicate to human beings who live in time. And he says when God tells us our salvation will be soon or very little, it's a way of bridging the gap between the divine and human points of view. And then he references a scripture, and I'm leaving you with this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And one final word, be nice to extreme preterists. I was one until I was rescued by many of the church fathers, particularly St. Augustine, the scriptures themselves, and the catechism of the Catholic Church. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 308 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.